What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Nick State of Mind podcast. I'm Chip Murphy. Different kind of show today. No matter Danny, but I'm joined by three great guests that you guys all know. We have my co-host on the Hoops Addicts Anonymous podcast for ESNY, Jeff Campbell. What's up, Jeff? Doing good, man. Uh, as we were saying a little bit before, uh, just just got back golfing and, and just you know. Looking forward to getting into all the news that, that's been going on today and uh, pumped to be on as always. Thanks, man. Uh, Alex Trataros, who covers the Knicks for Hoops Habit. I think this is your second or third time on here. So thanks for coming back on. And I know you're a Tibbs guy, so you must be very excited today. <laughs> uh, I am thanks for coming very, on, man. Happy. <laughs> thanks yeah. for having me on, Chip. Mm-hmm. And of course, we have. Jonathan Macri of Nick's Film School. Thank you for your I'm glad you were finally able to make it on for us. I know it's it's tough to get you on here, but I'm glad you were finally able to make your comeback for us. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for coming on, man. No, man. Uh, I'm happy to do it. Um, you know, I'm fans of all of your guys' work and uh, you know, Chip, I mean me and you obviously talk all the time. Yeah. Um it's uh the Knicks, the Knicks content creator community must, you know, we are strong and we must stick together uh, through thick and thin, mostly thin, but that's, you know, it's fine. Pretty much. Yeah, mostly thin. Uh, so it's <laughs> finally over. It's finally over. We have Tibbs. He has his dream job. That's my first thought was, okay, good. Yeah. It was my, like the least of all like the Knicks big moves that I've seen and reacted to from Woj, it was my, like my least thrilling reaction. I think like, especially compared to like Leon Rose, obviously I had like a huge, I saw the Leon Rose tweet like when I was at work and I was like, I had to get out of the classroom. I was like, fuck this. Like I, I just had to leave, but this, it was like, okay, finally, like as much as I wanted Kenny Atkinson, I was like, okay, it's Tibbs. At least it's not Jason kid. Which, by the way, brilliant move by Leon Rose to drop the Jason Kidd thing yesterday. But just <laughs> so smart. A master stroke by him in World Wide West. So, anyway, enough about my stupid opinion. Jeff, what, uh, what were you thinking? Yeah, man. I, uh, I mean, we've, we've talked on, um, you know, different Slack channels and stuff like that. You know, there was a guy that I, I wanted that was not even a, a dog in the race. Um, you know, a guy that I, I'd written about it back in March, Dave Yeager had really no connection at all to the franchise and, and, you know, didn't get an interview at all, but I'm not going to lie between the whole Tibbs and Kenny debate. Um, I was probably more of a Tibbs guy. So there's, there's tempered enthusiasm for me personally, uh, for today. And, um, you know, I guess I'm one of those guys that buys into a little bit of the uh, non-quantifiable mystique that comes with Tibbs, his reputation as being someone that is demanding, that raises the level of expectancy in terms of um, how players come to work um, and how they handle themselves as professionals, um, how prepared they're going to be for games. And, and how knowledgeable they're going to be of, you know, where they're supposed to be on the court, where the opposition is supposed to be on the court. Um, that's something that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. He obviously has his warts as well. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to, to hear what you guys uh, think about today's news as well, too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's better than Jason Kidd. That's the, that's the tagline so far for me. I saw Jason Kidd's name was trending on Twitter. I thought that was very interesting. The fact that he was trending, but <laughs> Alex, I know you, you have to be the probably the most excited out of the four of us. So I want, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about all this. Cause he was your first choice, I think, right? He was my first choice. Uh, I was probably like when I first started off, it was between like Kenny and like before Kenny even got into the race before we got fired. I was like, all right, 
I could take Tibbs. And then when Kenny got on the race, I was like, pause for a second. I was like, do I want Kenny? So what he did in Brooklyn, do I? And then the more research that I did, and especially with the help of like Macri, just like dropping all of like uh, the knowledge on Tibbs recently, it's just like, yeah, I, yeah, that, mm, sold. Sign me up. And uh, actually, <laughs> Jim, I don't know if you saw this, but in uh, the Slack channel, there was like a big, big freaking argument between Tibbs and Kenny on Hoops Habit. There was just – Colin was just Dead. pulling really hard for uh, for Tibbs and shout out to my boy Larry. Uh, he was saying, no, 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 it's got to be Kenny because of the developmental aspect. We saw what Tibbs uh, did, run guys into the ground. And, you know, just, you know, the typical Tibbs slander, but – so the thing I like about Tibbs is, I think Jeff already said it well enough, is that you're going to get a guy who's going to come in, give everything he's got, just like lives, breathes, eats basketball, has like that Belichickian mindset that Bondi wrote about. And you know he, you're going to get 100% from him either way. I think he's going to hold everyone accountable to, you know, a high level of standard that we haven't seen in the Knicks for quite some time. I mean, the last time was probably the 2012-13 team with uh, Woodson where you had Mello and everyone else running, but we haven't had that. Like, what, Hornacek didn't really do it. Fisdale was letting guys really try out too much then really holding them accountable and just have just have someone who's well-known, has a winning record, and, you know, all around just like a solid head coach. Yeah. One of the most successful head coaches of the last 10 years, regardless of if you're a Kenny guy or a Tibbs guy. The fact that it became a, as much of a Kenny guy as I am, the fact that it became a, a Kenny versus Tibbs thing when Tibbs has won 60% of his regular season games and Kenny has won like 40% of his regular season games and went to the playoffs one time and didn't win a game is pretty crazy when you think about it. But if you really, you should look at uh, Budum's Twitter account if you really want to look at uh, a Kenny argument Alex I don't know if you looked at that because if you if you don't think you can be one over on Kenny if, if anyone can win you over on him but speaking every of uh, day. oh my yeah, god it's every he's still I saw it still going. he's not, he's not gonna give up either no. I saw it I just saw I saw how he uh I was just like scrolling like I have like a Knicks uh, list and I just saw uh, Matt Ridge spoon him going at it. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I had him on my podcast to, to make Yeah, that the podcast good. was great. The podcast was, was great. It was fun. It was a good, it was a good yeah. time. It was, it was really good. But, John, you're, I know your first choice was uh, Becky Hammond, but you're still in on Tibbs. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I've, I've admitted this on every time I've talked about it or written about it. My, Becky was like, you know, everybody has their, their pie in the sky choice. And just like the idea, it was two part for me. It was like the idea of seeing a female head coach would have been particularly meaningful for me. I just, I, you know, I'm father of a daughter. What, what can I say? But I also think she's going to do a great job when she gets a yeah. chance and uh, it's probably figure it's going to be in San Antonio. Um, but, you know, whether you want to talk about Hammond or Kenny or literally any other candidate, um, and I said, I said something to this effect on my pod that I recorded a while, a little bit ago. Um, you are, you're t with any of those candidates, you're, you're taking some evidence that we have and you're using that evidence to project what they will be as a head coach of a successful team with like a certain type of roster. And you need to project because like even Kenny Atkinson, we saw him with a, you know, a playoff worthy roster once one year. Um, and it was like, okay, how much can we really judge based on that? And a lot of these other people are assistants and, you know, Mike Brown had LeBron James with him and, and Mike Woodson had Carmelo Anthony. And before that, he had a nice team in Atlanta. Any of these people, you're, you're, there's some projection involved with Tibbs. It's like to there are a dozen coaches, I think, in the history of the league that are um, have won at least 350 games at, with a winning percentage as high as his. And there have been like 300-some-odd coaches in the history of basketball, and he's one of 12 to do that. 
So, and then it, it's like the, the obvious comeback to that is like, yeah, of course, he had Derrick Rose and he had Noah and he had Dang and he had Butler. And like, well, you know, what were those guys before Tibbs got them? And it's so easy to say that, like, look back and be like, yeah, well, of course those guys are going to turn into those, you know, look at their pedigree, look at this, look at that. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, well, we just drafted a kid third that I hope is going to be good. I really hope he's going to be good. But if you told me in a few years that R.J. Barrett was, like, just another guy, I'm like, well, that that would suck. Now we got a guy in here who has a track record of turning around guys that have the pedigree and making them into the best version of them of themselves with the caveat that it has to be the type of player that wants to be, wants to buy into what Tibbs is selling. And I think that's really what the conversation is about because Kenny Atkinson, by all indication, doesn't matter what you were into, what your priorities were. Kenny was the guy who was going to be able to reach you, who was going to be able to like, you know, get through unless you were a superstar. That's with Tibbs. I feel like it's kind of the opposite. I don't think there's much concern that Tibbs, if, and when he gets a star player, he'll be fine. But I think there's more that caveat of like, okay, you know, we, we're pretty sure he's going to be able to reach a Frank Lakina. What about a Kevin Knox or like a Dennis Smith Jr.? Will he even get a chance to reach those players? And that gets us into, you know, a whole host of other questions. Yeah, and I think. Oh, no, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just going to say um, two things that like really stick out to me. Um, the, the star conversation is particularly interesting to me because, and, and John, I don't know how you feel about this. Like I've talked with Chip about this before. I thought, and it's, and I think it's particularly, it is unfair to Kenny that he didn't get a, a legitimate chance to coach KD um, and Kyrie. You know, we've, we've all read the reports that, you know, KD said that they weren't developing winning habits, championship level, you know, team habits, whatever that means, right? Like, but I think, (laughs) I know, but but my thing is, like, can can Kenny Atkinson uh, be critiqued for wanting to have this kind of, like, pie-in-the-sky idea that all of his players are going to be treated the same, I'm going to continue to run my spread offense, everyone's going to get to touch the ball, I'm not going to let you ISO uh, 10 to 12 times a game, like he wanted to do in Golden State. He got frustrated with the offense there. Can Kenny get a little bit of criticism in that sense? And, I, and I'm saying this and acknowledging that it sounds weird because he didn't coach them, right? But on, on some level, like, and I, I've said this to Chip before, like I feel like Kenny was trying to, you know, have his, bat, his professional basketball team, the players that make millions of dollars, be like a fifth-grade classroom, where it's like, no, you get what you get, and you don't get upset. And it's like, no, that doesn't work here, you know, because these guys are powerful, right? I, 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 let me just chime in on that real quick. I think over the last 20 years, you could count on one hand the three guys that come to mind who are legit superstar players and who genuinely just didn't care about what the system was that they were placed in are Steph Curry, Tim Duncan, and Dirk Nowitzki. If I'm forgetting someone, so please chime in, but it's like, those guys are the exception. They're not the rule. Today's superstar wants to be featured. He, wa- he wants to win. I'm not saying he doesn't want to win, but he wants to look good doing it. And I think that's the rule nowadays. And it's like, Tibbs, say what you want about him. He ran a driving kick system that made Rosen MVP. He made Joakim Noah point center that got him fourth on the ballot. He gave Carl Anthony Towns all the post-ups he could handle and Minnesota was fourth in offense that year. He knows how to make stars – put them in a position to look good. So I don't I, – I think that, yeah, for a valid critique of Kenny, and I don't think it's a it's going to be an issue, again, if and when we get to the point where Tibbs has those types of players. Right. Yeah. And as far as the Minnesota thing goes, because I was looking at an old article from The Ringer from back in 2016 today – after Tibbs was hired, they wrote like a huge profile about how he was coming home to Minnesota because it was his first coaching gig. And they described Andrew Wiggins's defensive potential as comparable to Jimmy Butler's. And they, ha- they said Chris Dunn and Zach Levine had all-star potential. I mean, is it kind of fair to say that maybe the expectations were a little high for Tibbs when he first got to Minnesota, that they o- people overestimated 
his uh, the young players that he had there. I mean, Chris Dunn's developed into a, a nice defensive player, and nice. Zach Levine's a good player. But when he, I remember when he got there, they said, you know, they said Tibbs was going to take this young team to the next level. Like he didn't even need to make a trade. And then he realized really quickly, oh my God, I have to make a trade because Towns can't play any defense. So I know he was getting a lot of shit recently on Twitter because people were saying, oh, he didn't develop any of these guys. No, but oh, maybe he maybe he got Wiggins and Towns. Maybe these are the best version of Wiggins and Towns. Maybe Tibbs got the best out of Wiggins and Towns that they could possibly be. Is that possible? I mean, that's what it I, I, feels like. I mean, my my two cents on that are, yeah, the expectations were high because what is he coming into? He's coming into a situation with two straight number one picks and not just two, not just any two number one picks. I would say if you're like grading the scale of like how, how anticipated a number one pick is, I would put, I mean, you know, Cat was like not on the Zion level, but he's like one one tier down. And I feel like Wig people. It's been a while, but like people forget Wiggins when he first came into the league was like this guy's he's he's a point forward. He's not LeBron James because no one's LeBron James, but like in that kind of mold. And so yeah, the, the expect and now obviously we've seen what those players become have become. Um, I I just you I, I want to I'm curious what you guys think about this because you mentioned he ha- he felt like he had to bring in Butler. To me, the biggest downfall was he thought that that was just going to be an elixir, right? He's like, oh, wait, these guys don't really get what it takes to win in this league. Um, I know what I'll do. I'll get a guy that knows how to do this better than anyone. But it's like, you know, essentially now in retrospect, it was like pouring gasoline on the fire. To me, that that move in theory was good. But in effect, it just, it's not, it didn't, it wasn't what that team needed. Yeah, he didn't take into consideration the potential clash between Butler's personality and Towns' personality and Wiggins' personality, mm. like, at all. But, but that's why we always say he's not the, uh, the president of basketball operations, so he's not going to be yeah. able to make those moves now. Thank God. No coach should be, <laughs> have that job. It's just ridiculous no. that, that any coach ever had that job is crazy. So – yeah, but yeah, the the fact that he thought that was a good idea is crazy. But yeah, I think he just wanted to coach Jimmy Butler again was part of it too. And he also he was he didn't want to lose. He knew if he ran it back with that same team, he was going to keep losing. And if he brought in Jimmy Butler, he wasn't going to have a losing team with Jimmy Butler on it. And he also had to have been embarrassed that his defense was so bad. A Tom Thibodeau defense that was trash. Everyone was talking shit about his defense on TV. And, yeah, he must have thought that Jimmy Butler would bring the best out of those guys on the court. And it just – I mean, God, I, if that, – that's – to me, that says more about Towns than it does about Butler and Tibbs, the, the stuff there. The way that Butler and – the Butler thing ended. That, that doesn't say as much about Butler and Tibbs as it does about Towns, especially with Towns' comments after Tibbs left when he called, like, the – Tibbs' development a slap in the face. It's like, okay, you, you don't want to yeah. be yelled at. You don't want to be coached. You want a guy, I guess Ryan Saunders is going to tell you how great you are. He really likes Ryan Saunders. So he didn't like Tibbs. That's why he wanted him out. It's just weird. I don't know. I, Hall of Fame players talk, say great things about – Patrick Ewing says great things about Tibbs, but Carl Anthony Towns doesn't want to play for him. That's really weird to me. <laughs> I don't get that. <laughs> I think that – more is like a testament to like the new players that we have into the league, right? And the age and like what's what their interest is, I guess, to some extent. Like mm. you have like Cat who's like more into like, I guess, like what we kind of wrap on, like, or like get on Kevin Knox about just like you're focusing on video games, like you're in a high profile place yeah. playing a high profile game, playing at the elite level. Shouldn't you be focusing more on playing basketball? And I think Cat doesn't get enough flack for not really putting his best like we see his defensive effort like you have to play some sort of defense when you're supposed to be like the face of the franchise the you know you're touted out there as being the guy so you have to show some sort of leadership we don't really see that from cat and I think Tibbs noticed that when he was there it's like okay I have my top draft pick with Wiggins and they're 
both not showing any sort of leadership. Let me go get Jimmy Butler. And I think that's where he tried to inject, as everyone's already pointed out so far, is like you want someone who can just lead them in that direction, saying this is what competition's like. This is how hard you have to work to be great. This is how hard it is to get into the playoffs. And like that's, and I think that's why Butler just like lashed out. He's like, I can't play with guys who are not ready to give it their all every single day, which is why he loves Miami. You know, I mean, it's it's also too like there's a fine line. Like, like I do think Tibbs, he's heard enough of the fact that he's a taskmaster. You know, howling on the sidelines, um, a massive control freak. Like to relate to younger players. Um, there is also, I think, something he'll have to focus on taking some of these guys where they're at instead of expecting them immediately to just, you know, jump to his level of what he sees, you know, a perf- what the way a professional basketball player should be. He's going to have to temper some of those expectations. But I guess the reason I'm higher on the fit with the Knicks, at least um, for now, is that everything we've heard about R.J. Barrett is that he wants yes. this. Like the, the, everything we've heard, you know, Mike Miller has talked about, you know, the thing I love about this kid is he forgets bad plays really quickly. He's able to focus on, you know, the next thing he has to do. And, like, I feel like that's a very common thread in what you hear about great players. They're able to sequentially divide, like, okay, like, this is what I have to do without getting necessarily so caught up in the moment. Um, he is a hard worker. We've obviously seen Mitch – develop a lot um i and i don't i don't know that any of us can really speak to like the mind of carl anthony towns compared to rj barrett or mitch but like i don't know i i I think tibbs has heard enough of this that he runs people into the ground his teams don't shoot threes um all of this that it it has to change I, i think like and I know I saw, um, John, I saw you had a tweet out about um, some of his defensive schemes, too. And, I mean, I've, I've seen ice. Uh, some people, somebody told me on Twitter a, a couple months ago. I that, wanted to talk oh, about ice the ice thing before we finish up. Definitely wanted to talk about ice. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the thing is this, though. Like, it's not like he doesn't know what a drop coverage is. I mean, that's the more modern way to guard pick, pick and roll. Like, I, I don't see why he wouldn't. Uh, implement that if if he didn't see fit Um, I'm sure and and you know I can't say whether ice is appropriate for our personnel or if it's not but I just think like to say that the 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 schemes themselves are outdated I mean I don't know that that's true like teams run ice now I mean like it's just it's just not the the most way that pick and rolls are guarded I think you know Keep in mind, ice is a version of drop coverage. It's just a, a version of drop coverage where you're you're walling off the middle. Yeah. That's the that's the goal. I, but I think the reason it gets a bad name is now if you if your guard, you know, who you're who you're pushing mm-hmm. sideline and or, or sorry, yeah, pushing sideline and baseline does is able to you know make that outlet pass. Like whereas in Tibbs' days in in Chicago there was some seven footer who's never made a three in his life standing there. And who certainly is not a playmaker nowadays. That's going to be, I don't know. I'm trying to think of someone off the top of my head, like Paul Millsap or Jeremy Grant or something like a guy who used to be a three is now a four or a five. And they're going to be able to do more with the ball. It doesn't mean ice can't work. And, and ultimately I think there's a place for it in the league today, but the roster he's coming to, and I was just, I was just on Twitter talking to, with Sam Quinn of, uh, from CBS about this. Like, the roster he's coming to has the one. They literally have one strength in the entire roster, and that's Mitchell Robinson on either end of the court. Um, that's the only good thing about anything that the Knicks have right now, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I love RJ Barrett, love his potential. RJ, you know, Julius Randle, do some things, whatever. It's Mitch. He's the elite thing that they have, and. If you have a Mitchell Robinson, you just have to run a more traditional drop coverage because you want that guy as close to the rim on every possession possible. And the bigger question for me is whether he introduce, introduces some, some switching um, because that is something he really didn't do until late in Minnesota. And to me, the like having R.J. Barrett, the whole benefit of having a, a six, whatever he is, six, seven bowling ball who can, you know, 
he could play a little point. He could play a little power forward. You know, he's probably a two or a three, but you know, and, and I want to see how he utilizes RJ because really I think RJ should be a four and you should now with the, the luxury that Leon Rose has to, to know that Tibbs is his coach and he has all this roster flexibility, you know, just like go out and fill out a team of wings who are versatile and try to find a big point guard so that you can switch everything one through four and have Mitch as the backdrop of all that. Like to me, it's so obvious, but that's where I'm worried a little bit about Tibbs because he, you know, he has a stubborn side. There's no two ways about it. He likes his, he likes what he likes. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, I guess. I think you touched on it where you had uh, Leon Rose knows Tibbs, right? And yeah. so you also have like uh, Wes who also knows Tibbs. So they know his coaching style. They know the players that he needs. And I'm sure that they got Perrin and Klein and all these guys who are more adept to the game who can now input and just like new voices in the room saying, hey, this is how the game is changing. This is how it's moving. This is what we think you should need. Can you like modify a little bit to work something like this? Like that's what Leon Rose wanted was some guy who could be – collaborative in this whole thought process I think you talked about that yeah so you're gonna have I think Tibbs is already on board with that he's not I think if he wasn't on board with that I don't think Rose would necessarily gone with him I think he would have probably gone in a different direction so there's that type of hope that you have with Thibodeau and with Rose is like the head honcho now the Knicks yeah the, the only thing I'll, I'll throw in with that is I my I wish this was the case but I, I'm afraid it might not be like the Knicks are still lagging behind in analytics and how much they use analytics in their, in their front office, at least Um, their, their analytics department. I I have, this has been confirmed to me. It's one guy, one guy, that's their analytics department. And, and from what I've heard and from what I've heard, he's not exactly someone that the organization um, takes seriously. How do I put this? He's not someone that they're running to with every decision. Let's just say that. Um, now that doesn't mean that they can't help fill out the coaching staff with some more analytically minded folks, but that's like the one thing because like, you know, Perrin is an old school guy. Um, clearly Scott Perry is clearly an old school guy, even like the young, like, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned this before, Alex Klein, you know, he, he gets this like reputation as this like whiz kid and he's young and everything, but He's again, he's more relationships. He's not a guy who's like analytics focused. So I, I think if they had something like that, that would help Tibbs even more to your point, um, Alex. But I don't know, that, that might be the one area where I think they, they might fall short, unfortunately. Well, it's got to be a checks and balance, right? Like hopefully if Brock Aller has as much power as, as we might think he does, hopefully that's one area that he can kind of – have an influence on it in terms of um, For sure. the administrative staff. And I always feel too, because it's so funny that you bring up Perry because Perry's, he's always responds the same way when asked about analytics. He's like, well, you know, it's a tool in the toolbox that you use. And I feel like that's <laughs> really close for, I don't give a shit about <laughs> analytics. Yeah. Yeah. I, my eye, no, but it is. It really is. And I, I just really feel like he's like, listen, I've been around this game for 40 plus years. I know what looks good. I know what doesn't. And you, you know, you can throw your computer out the fucking window. Like, I don't yeah. and, like, and that's how you, I mean, look, I don't, I'm, I don't mean to disparage him because I still think there's an NBA player in there, but that's how you draft Kevin Knox after a workout, you know? Yeah. yeah. You bullied Miles Bridges. Oh, cool. You know, sounds great. Ooh, what's 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 impressive about that miles bridges yeah after we saw what miles bridges did this year yeah i which by the way i guess he knows better than pat riley who has a stacked analytics department in miami headed by shane battier so i mean all the best and san antonio too, golden state and i know houston obviously everyone hates houston but still they they're very successful so i i god that that pisses me off I mean, I already kind of knew that they didn't give a shit about analytics, but for Scott, for Scott Perry, of all people, with his lack of success, not that I want to besmirch Scott Perry in case he has the authority to bring in Harry Giles, but I, I still think <laughs> that any sort of analytics is a, a good thing, just the smallest, but it, it shouldn't be the focus of the entire team because what the Rockets do is insane, and that's not going to win a championship. 
but to just have one guy in your entire front office. That's you got to blend it. It has to be a blend. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And that's one of the things that bothers me is after Tiz was fired by the bulls, he did, he already did his whole I'm changing tour and like visited a bunch of teams and was like, I'm this, I'm the new guy and I'm going to run things differently. And then he was the same guy in Minnesota. And now he's did that again and went on first take and talk about load management. And I don't know. Are we, I guess we we're crossing our fingers and hoping he's different now, but I guess wow, should we, should we, should we need to hope that he's different? He's, I, I guess he's going to win anyway, based on his track record, hopefully. But I, I hope he doesn't just blow up the young core. I, that's what I hope. I hope he doesn't trade RJ and Mitch. I hope that's what I hope. I, he, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I feel pretty comfortable. Say, like, I think there's this idea that the Knicks are just going to go out and like put out a, a team full of old guys. And like that, I think more what you're what you're probably going to see is you're going to see whether it's three, whether it's four, whether it's five, somewhere in that range, key members of the rotation that are, you know, 23 and under, let's say. And then I think you're going to see them go out and, like, sign a couple of veterans, hopefully that make more sense than the ones they did last, last season, um, and try to blend it, you know. And it didn't work last year really well because it was just a bad mix of players in terms of skill sets. But the execution was poor. It doesn't mean I think – I don't think the idea was bad, though. That's yeah. That would be my yeah. guess. The idea of too many guys at the same position wasn't wasn't uh, the worst idea. It was just that. Also, if Wayne Ellington had made some shots and Reggie Bullock had been healthy at the beginning of the year and didn't come on cold, it would have might have been slightly different. But yeah, it was. They they were just the butt of the joke because they signed too many power forwards, but. <laughs> The fact that the Alfred Payton thing still is going to bother me until next year, probably that just made no sense. The Alfred Payton signing. That was the one that absolutely made no sense to me. The Alfred Payton thing. And I, the one guy who I hope is definitely gone is Alfred Payton. And obviously Bobby Portis is going to be gone because he has the huge option, but just Alfred Payton, I assume. But as far as like vet signings who like, I feel Tids would like, we've talked about this on here before, like Goran Dragic is like the dream signing. I feel like for the next Drag- like Gallinari obviously would be great, but I feel like there's no way he comes on a one year deal. I don't think that's possible. I feel like if it's for I, enough money, you think so? You think so? I mean, so you got to look at the teams who's offering him two years, which means, which basically is another way of asking who thinks that they are not going to be in the Giannis sweepstakes a year from now. So that that chops off some teams right there. Hawks. So then what? Hawks probably. Hawks have cap room, right? Yeah, they do. They also don't have a starting spot for him. So that's yeah. the other thing. It's like how many teams are willing to offer him a certain amount of money um and a starting spot? And I don't know. I it's not as crazy to me. I'll tell you this. If you had asked me a few months ago who I think is more likely, Mello or Gallo, I would—I mean, I would have said Mello without question. Now I think it's like—I don't know. I think it's actually kind of fifty-fifty because, especially really? since now, you know, especially since now, Mello seems to actually be, you know, enjoying himself in Portland. And oh he yeah, he definitely there. likes playing in Portland. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it wouldn't. Um, and I know Christian Woods' name has been mentioned too, but I just don't think they're going more than one year on anybody. Yeah, um, I think Christian Wood will get a multi-year deal, don't you? The Pistons sure. want to keep yeah. him. The Pistons want to keep him too, and they're and they you said teams outside of the Giannis sweepstakes. That's the Pistons, so so they have <laughs> yes. they have no need to they have no need to hold on to their 2021 cap room. Also, for Gallinari, I feel like that's a guy that uh, MJ would overpay for. Me and Jeff were talking to a Hornets guy yesterday. I feel like that's a classic Michael Jordan four-year big money contract it's possible i have to look at their roster because i feel like their pj washington isn't ready to be a full-time center um and they should be they should absolutely be playing that guy 30 minutes a night oh yeah zeller is far from a starter if he ever was one his his best days as a starter are behind him and 
they are about to be like off all of those bad contracts because Batum's contracts. Yeah, no, they're up. They're but. they're close. Um, I'm curious, what do you guys think about the notion of for you know since I don't know December, it's been assumed that the Knicks are just going to take the best point guard available with their first pick, and if you look at all of the um, point guards who are in that conversation, whether it's you know Paul or Halliburton or Cole Anthony, whoever. Like, none of them profile to come in and be a good defensive player next year. And some of them, I think you could probably argue, will be really bad defensively. You know, given that Tibbs is already going to have to integrate an, uh, an R.J. Barrett, who's like, a, did not have a good year defensively last year. And, you know, potentially Julius Randle, who, you know, whatever. <laughs> he's, he's Julius Randle. Like, do we still think it's a guarantee that they're just going to draft a point guard at the top of the draft and play that kid, you know, 30 minutes a night? I, I, I'm wondering if, what do you guys think? Uh, I think it's either going to be you draft someone to learn from Chris Paul. I think they might try to swing. A you trade. still think there's a chance. I still think there's a chance just because I don't see Tibbs putting out a point guard who he needs to be his like extension of like running an offense and like a system where he needs somebody. And I think Chris Paul, if you want to talk about another guy who's going to like instill someone or just instill a team with just like leadership. Oof. You talk about a turnaround. Like I don't, like I see that. I don't see, I can't see Tibbs just running with a rookie point guard. I just can't see it. That was, like he didn't like. I mean, he tried it with Dunn, but or not even like a rookie, but just like a, a young point guard. No, who's Dunn, Dunn was, was a rookie. What he was? No. He was a rookie, right? Yeah. Rookie, so like, yeah. Uh, yeah. like I didn't see that. He was not thrilled about that. <laughs> no. He did. He, so I just think you have to like try to get somebody, and that's unfortunately, Chip. Maybe you keep like a guy like Peyton around just for like that stop gap for like a year until you like figure something out. Why, I, though? I mean, he – aside from the one thing that's the most important skill in the game today, he's pretty good at the other stuff. Um, man. Yeah, no, I look, I don't want to see Alfred Payton any more than you do. But um, to your point, Alex, I, I would be – if Chris Paul was on an expiring contract, I would bet a, a healthy sum of money. Yeah. that he would be a Nick next year. But I just have a tough time seeing them punting. Because by trading for Chris Paul, you're essentially saying – I mean, this isn't true because you could always trade someone if you need to trade someone in the NBA, right? We've That's right. That. But I, I don't I, – uh, I don't Except know. Joe King Noah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, except Joe King Noah. I, I just – I don't know if they – feel that Paul is enough of an upgrade over the next best veteran option that they'd be able to get for a lot less money in one year. And plus we still don't know what Oklahoma city would demand in a trade. No, like, and that's fair. Like I wouldn't trade anyone just lot. to get Chris Paul. Yeah. And no, I wouldn't expect that. I would, I'm more thinking of like, OKC just wanting to keep their books like under the cap is like, and especially with coronavirus just implicating the cap, I'd say see them just like we can't pay this anymore, and just like move with like SGA like point point or just figure it out from there on out. I don't know, but I don't see like Drogic wanting to leave the Heat, like especially in a good situation if you have like now a competitive team. That's where I'm just thinking like with at least Chris Paul, like if you trade for him, like he has to pay, he has to play. He's under contract. Drogic, like he can just go resign and just like. I think Paul would be enthused about. I think Paul would be enthused about coming here. Oh, I think so too, yeah. and that's where like I don't see like Drogic like if you're giving him the option like oh let me just stay in Miami and potentially win or go to a Knicks team who would have you'd have to pay him quite a sum of money just to leave. That's, I mean, I don't know what other I'd have to look to see what other point guards could be on There's, the it's, market. It's not a lot. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, I don't. You're, Trust me, we, we had a five-minute conversation, me and Jeremy, on our pod, on my pod before about DJ Augustine. Um, you don't want to be having five-minute conversations about DJ. No, all the respect, Chip. I know he, he did a nice job for you guys the last couple of years, but you don't want to be having five-minute conversations about DJ Augustine. Yeah, of all the of all of all our guys, he's one of the last few guys you want to be talking about. He's I mean, not what you want. No, no. I mean no. the the other option, like as that's been you know, circled around is, and even you mentioned it, Jonathan, is just uh, Fred Van Vliet. But that's then again, you're paying him. And then 
what's the cap going to look like to get if you're if you're trying i'm not even thinking Giannis is going to come in here but if you're in the honest sweepstake like you got to pay for it to get over here to, to me if they went out and signed Fred Van Fleet, it would be it would it would count for me as the thing that I am most impressed by. If they gave him like a three, let's let's make it reasonable, okay? Let's say three years. Let's say three for forty-five, which I have to think is the lowest that Van Fleet would ever in a million years sign for, and I think someone would give him more than that. But let's make it palatable, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say three for forty-five. If they gave him that. If they gave him that deal, maybe a player option for the fourth year, right? Make it, make it four for sixty-four. Like that to me would say so much. It would say to me, we're making an investment in like the infrastructure, right, of this team. Um, not overpaying because I think a guy you could justify it giving a guy like Van Fleet sixteen, fifteen, sixteen million dollars a year. You know, probably more, probably like four or five million dollars a year too much, but hundred fifteen million dollar cap, you could stomach that. Um, I don't think they'll do it though. <laughs> I just don't think they're going to. And, so, and that's like that's where I come back to like Chris Paul. Like I think like that like as crazy as it sounds. Like I see OKC just being like because we've seen it. They just don't want to pay people. There's like they whether they they didn't want to pay Harden. They just trade them. Just like nope. We're but not gonna but how smart them. would it be for them? Because the stealth. If you're in the West next year, the stealth secret genius move is to tank because everybody in the West next year is going to be trying to make the playoffs. Phoenix is going to be trying to make playoffs. Minnesota is going to be trying to make playoffs. Um, I'm sure there's somebody I'm forgetting. Sacramento is going to be trying to make playoffs. All yeah. these teams are going to be trying to make playoffs. Golden State's going to, you know, goes without saying, all these teams are going to be desperate to make the playoffs. OKC could, like, so easily tank next season ahead of the 2021 draft and and line up um, SGA with, you know, like whoever, Cade or one of these guys. Oh, my God. But, and that's like – and just adding on, like, if you look at the Thunder, like, they did a phenomenal job this year. But if you have to go through that gauntlet of the West next year, I just don't see the Thunder. Like, like what, are you, what are you getting out of it? What's what? You just get playoffs experience for the young guys? And it, Oh, man. If the, talk about playing for DHS. If they, if they somehow get, like, an asset from the Knicks for Chris Paul, which I'm not saying would necessarily be the wrong move, but – Oh, goodness gracious. He's not trading Chris Paul for anything less than a first-round pick. He doesn't make bad trades. Uh, yeah, but the trade might just be getting him off the team, especially if his owner is putting, as Alex is alluding to, is putting the, putting the screws on him to cut some salary. I don't know. Like the Harden thing, yeah. yeah. I, don't I think if, if Paul comes here, um, I would like them to try and maybe – maybe orchestrate some of that three guard lineup. Um, and, and we were talking about the draft a little bit, a guy that I think would, would be a Tibbs guy. I still think they're going to go for a point guard back to the original point, but man, the Devin Vassell. Uh, okay. I didn't think you were going to say Vassell. You know, Devin Vassell is a guy that, that um, obviously depending on where we land, I think he could really, really solidify in terms of being like a wing defender defender very long like I I wrote an article on him uh, I forget it was like a bunch of months ago but man like his tape like he is such a disruptor um love seeing him blow up plays like he's just very active he has a very high motor um so I could I could potentially see if they don't go the point guard route um maybe targeting a guy like that and and I I think he'd be really good here I that would I would Again, that's not a sexy pick, but I would be impressed with that pick because it's not a sexy pick because they're just like, hey, let's get the guy who's going to help our team win basketball games for the next 10 years. Um, I don't think they will. Like you, I don't think they will. The guy I thought you were going to say is a Coro, but Vassell has the shot, obviously, which there's nothing theoretical about Vassell's shot. Uh, Unlike a Coro, you have to kind of hope and pray. So, Yeah, if if Tibbs sees – a little bit of the Jimmy Butler comp, which I think has been thrown out a little bit for Okoro. I could maybe see that. Um, it's so funny. I wasn't really high on Okoro, but I've listened to some of uh, uh, the posting and toasting pods. I know they had a guy that's pretty locked in when it comes to uh, uh, draft analysis, and, and he was pretty high on Okoro, even without the shot. Um, as just being a guy that, you know, can make a pretty big impact. 
he is good, and the shot's not a terrible shot. It's just like it's not auto. It's it's a work in progress still. So it really, I I'm a simpleton when it comes to the draft, big time. So I just watch the YouTube stuff and read Kevin O'Connor's and listen to the podcast, like right. he mentioned, posting and toasting. I want them to take Anthony Edwards. I really want them to take Anthony Edwards. Wow. Like, I, 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 Alex is already shaking his head. So I, I want to hear what Alex has to say, too. You guys are all more educated uh, on it than me. I assume it has to do with the fact that he appears – I'm going to be kind to the guy that I want disinterested on def- defense more often than not. So, Alex, what do you think? I just don't – like, unless you have, like, a point guard – which we need to facilitate between him and everyone else on the floor. It's just not going to work. We're going to be seeing street ball park pickup, just like in MSG, just like it's going to be Anthony Edward. You go now it's going to be RJ. You go. All right, let's get it to Mitch and let's see what Mitch can do. And there's just not going to be any orchestration of just like any ball flow or movement. And like, I would love Anthony Edwards if we had like, a point guard, but we don't have a point. Chris Paul. (laughs) Yeah. I was just going to say, what if they get Chris Paul? (laughs) Uh, that changes things. It does change things. I don't know. I'd still, I would want Chris Paul to like, I would want, I still want a point guard for Chris Paul to groom just because Chris Paul is going to be just a mentor for two years. And then we're back at square one. We did point guard again. So unless you think Anthony Edwards can be, uh, no, you no, know, no. facilitator, or unless you think RJ could be that facilitator, you, I, it's not, it's just not for the next chip. Sorry. I'm, I'm with you. I just, He's the guy that scares me the most because, and I say this, I have him like number, like for my own personal Knicks board, I have him number three, like a smidgen ahead of, of Denny of Deja, and I don't like it. But I, at some point, you do have to bet on the talent, and there's God knows there's talent there. Like, if that guy hits, ooh. He's he's it's it's it, that's gonna be real. But what are the odds of him, what are the odds of him hitting on a Nick team without a real point guard? It's just not it's not happening. It just it's won't rough. be pretty. No. Yeah, that Michigan I'm, State game when he's just like I don't give a shit for like the entire first half. <laughs> he's just dribbling around like I don't give a shit, and then the second half, it's like he comes out like a, a fucking video game. It's what just that and the the ESPN draft. Uh, coverage thing where he's talking about his plays and going over the mistakes he made that won me over both those things he's he was he was coached well before that i trust i don't know i am i'm skeptical um give me give me the transcendent passer uh first uh but that's you know that's me i'm i'm probably out on uh edwards as well but i will say to chip's uh, defense a little bit. I know Mike V for the Athletic had uh, touted yeah. the guy that he thinks the Knicks should take, just based on kind of like range of outcomes, right? Like if you're gonna take, if you're gonna be high in the lottery, like swinging for the fences, that wing that can score at will, it's hard to find that, you know, whether it be a free agency or whatever. Um, I just get really concerned when I hear um, low motor. Um, you know, awareness on the court, mm-hmm. things like that. You can make a bunch of different arguments. You could say, well, he's not challenged at Georgia. Um, you know, if he plays with better players, he's going to be better. That could all be true, but I, I guess I'd, I'd rather push my chips in the middle with somebody who seems a little bit more proven and adept in some of those areas. Um, but, I mean, if you miss on him, it's like that's how people get fired. So, yeah, I mean. that's Yeah, but at the same time, you're built, you know, I mean, it feels like we say this every year, you're building the culture, right? You're, this is your, and, and the, if they get in a position to draft Edwards, it means they're going to have one of the top few picks. Like that guy's going to come in and he's going to have influence in the locker room because RJ Barrett, whether he wanted it or not, had a lot of influence in the locker room because he was third pick in the draft. So, you know, you, at some point it gets back to the situation like in Minnesota, right? Where you're, you're taking the, the you take your cues from the the highest profile guys. And like right now, that's like a weird, it's, it's weird. It was like RJ and Randall last year. And then you had, Mitch is like in his own world. He doesn't, 
I don't know how to describe Mitch, but it's like right now it's like RJ and Randall, and there's some good, you know, even Randall, like for all as much shit as he gets, like he takes the game seriously, and he yeah. has an attitude that you could respect. So they're they're not in a bad spot right now, I think, where the whole leadership locker room thing is concerned. But I would be I would be pretty trepidatious introducing um, Edwards into that environment without again. A, a real a, some other really strong you know because if it's like if Chris Paul's there you don't have to worry about this because Chris and, it, and especially since the kids are really young like they're like Chris Paul I feel like learned maybe this year how to whereas Butler didn't do this in Minnesota I feel like Chris Paul did do this in OKC this year kind of took those guys under his wing yeah we'll just wait for Devin Booker or someone like that <laughs> Bradley Beal <laughs> that'd be nice <laughs> Someone like that. All right. We don't I have Chris sw- Persiani on the show to do that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. God, he's he really wants Devin Booker more than anybody else. I mean, I, I guess I'd rather have Booker than Beal, but see, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm a. I know me and Colin were talking. Bradley Beal is uh, his shooting is something else, man. And I don't, and I don't know if either is a good enough defender um, to make it, you know, just a wash on their, on their offensive skills. But he, Devin Booker is younger, you know. I mean, that's and he's probably going to get better and maybe more dominant in some areas. Booker's one of the best mid-range players in the NBA. Like, I don't think Beal has that game in him. Like, he Booker is right there with Damon CJ. And all those other guys who do that so well. I don't think Beal has that game in him. Like Beal, Beal might be a better three-point shooter, but I, I don't know. I, I think Booker is a little bit ahead of him. And I, I think Beal's – I don't know. I, I, I like Booker better, just what I've seen of him. And I think Beal's uh, – Beal, Booker is a better passer, playmaker for others. And, look, this is the first time we've seen Booker – play with it i'm going way off on a booker tangent here it's supposed to be a podcast about tibbs but <laughs> this, this is kind of what we do. this is kind of what we do on here anyway uh first time we've seen him play with a good point guard with rubio and he's looked his best so that's uh, speaking of ricky i would love to have ricky rubio on the next but whatever well, bringing it back around ricky rubio that would have been so nice <laughs> yeah back in the day yeah but yeah, but bringing it back to Tibbs, I do want to talk about what kind of effect we think he's going to have on our young guys because that is the most important thing. Uh, RJ, Frank, Mitch, Knox, I guess to a lesser extent because we don't really know his future is uncertain. If you guys want to talk about DSJ, you can. I know Alex, I think think you're still high on DSJ. Are you the one who's still high on DSJ or is that Jeff? No, not you. Well, Alex, okay. Alex picked him in our uh, guys that we're, we still think can uh, – Yeah. Can, uh, yeah, I did. but uh, Yeah, you did. Uh, oh, you're off him now. We were, no, 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 no. It's not off him, but I think I transfer saying he has to go somewhere else. It's not going to be on the <laughs> Oh, Oh, you said you want – okay. He needs no, a change has of to be so He needs a change of scenery. It's not going to be on the Knicks. <laughs> Agreed. Many, not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's funny. We always say guys need a change of scenery, and we say it multiple times. How many times can you say a guy needs a change of scenery? He needed it in Dallas. Now he needs it in New York. But, yeah, I mean, Tibbs, I think, is going to be a great influence on probably all of those guys. The only guy I'm worried about is Knox, really, and because of his personality that he seems to have. He seems to be a great kid, hard worker. But, like, R.J. Barrett, we were talking about before, he seems to be ready for this. Like he went to Duke and he was screamed at and cursed out by coach K for a year. So I think he's ready for tips. I don't think, I think he's going to be fine. And Mitch seems like he lets things roll off his back. I don't think he's going to have an issue with Tibbs either. And I think Tibbs is going to like Mitch because he's the best or one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. So he's going to be key to Tibbs' success. So I think Tibbs is going to favor Mitch and Frank, same thing. One of the, one of the team's best defenders. I think he's going to get along. The only guy I'm worried about is Knox. Uh, maybe you guys think differently. What do you guys think? I think uh, yeah, go, Jeff. I think um, I agree that I would be worried 
uh, about Knox, and it's tough. Like I'm, I know I'm lower on Knox than um, you know Chip, you and maybe Alex. Uh, but I, you know, from what we've heard about Knox, like he's a, a gym rat. Like he does work hard. Um, I just don't always see the translation of like what he needs to do on the court uh, going from the the talks off the court to on the court, you know, like he still has those moments where he seems lost and then he'll have five games where he's putting some things together and you're like, Oh shit, this is why we drafted him so high. Uh, he's super frustrating to watch. I would worry about him and tips if, if I'm going to be pop psychologist and just, you know, say that because he's a quiet guy, I think those personality styles might clash. But an interesting, I think Mitch is also a wild card too. Um, and and I, I'm rooting for them, their relationship to be great just because Mitch is such a great defensive player. I'm sure that Tibbs is going to have a lot of respect for that. But Mitch is also super goofy as well. And I just wonder like if he's maybe just like um, laissez-faire, just kind of like carefree attitude is, is not going to always be appreciated. I don't know how he carries himself at practice. Maybe – He's not like that at all. But we've seen Mitch off the court and, and in little pockets of moments here and there. He's like, he's a super goofy guy. He's like a really fun person, it seems like, to be around. So I, I'm interested to see how him and Tibbs would be on a day-to-day. Um, but the other guys I'm not really worried about. I mean, I think, I think Tibbs will find uh, – for all the Frank fans, I do think that like Tibbs will, will make something of, of Frank. Um, and RJ, I, I have zero worries about at all. Um, I, I, uh, the only thing I'll say on Mitch is you're right. He is goofy and he's, he's, he's just a big kid. Yeah. And I, like, I, 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 I cannot emphasize to you enough how much he just like, it's not that he doesn't take anything seriously, but like you said, it, he lets everything roll off his back. Like there's nothing that seems to get to him. Um, never gets too high, never gets too low, but he takes the game seriously. And I think when you see how he reacts on the court to certain things, when he'll, like, he gets really pissed off when, like, he'll get a foul or, like, when something, when he disagrees with the call or, like, if he knows he screwed up. And, like, I think that he is going to be, like, he is going to be the backbone of everything Thibodeau does on this team. I think he's going to become New York's most important player next year. Um, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about RJ either because RJ is just RJ. And plus Tibbs has the, has the Coach K connection because Tibbs coached under Coach K for uh, Team USA. And, you know, obviously K coached, coached RJ. Um, and Knox is like – I'm not worried about the personality because Knox, he'll take the coaching. I mean, it, it, you know, he had Coach Cal. You know, it's more just like – I think Tim saw with Wiggins, um, like what a guy who like, and Wiggins mean meant well, but Wiggins was just like a step slow sometimes. And he was, he was slow to react to things. That was his big knock. I don't think he went out there and like, didn't give a shit. He just was a little slow to react. And that's kind of knock sometimes on defense. Um, but he's improved, and I think he does want to get better. He is a gym rat. I just I think it's all about how much Tibbs will um, be able to stomach any on court mistakes that Knox makes. That's what it comes down yeah. to to me. And will he be given the chance, or will Knox not be on this roster by the time we get to you know? And that's actually interesting enough. The report came out, I guess, last night about the, that the eight teams that are not in the Orlando bubble are going to get a chance to do OTAs or whatever for a couple of weeks in August. I think that's really important. I think that'll go a really long way in determining who's on this team next year so the Tibbs will get a chance to work with the guys. No, and to add on, I think I agree with, you know, what all of you have said. I'm not worried about Frank. I think Frank's going to fit right in with Tibbs. I think RJ, like he has that mindset we saw already. Mitch, like you, as Macri pointed out, like, he takes the game seriously. Like, do you remember when he tweeted himself, like, tweeted where he said he needed to get better when he was fouling too much? Yes. And then what, and then what did he do? He took it seriously, and he, like, reduced his fouls. It's like – so I think Mitch will take 
he takes the game seriously. I think he's just a goofy personality off the court. And I think he just has that switch where it's like once he's on the court, once he's in practice, it's just on and he's ready to go. It's all business. And when he's off the court, he'll go on Snapchat, whatever, and clown whoever he wants to. And whether it's the Mitchell Robinson show, it's, you know, we all love that show. (laughs) (laughs) But I think for Knox, I'm not, I think the thing about Knox is we have to just see him just putting it together. And I, I think Tibbs is going to help put it, put everything together. I think he's not going to let Knox go out there and fail like Fisdale had Knox running out there, just like whether it's playing him at the two or just playing him too many minutes. I think it's going to be all contained. And when he starts to see Knox just come unwound, he's going to pull him back in, tell him what he did. Can Knox take Tibbs' yelling and screaming in the face? That's, you know, I think he can. But I think that's where it's going to come down for Knox. It's just going to be like managing like a kid and how well he can play. Yeah, I agree. Well said. Yeah, I think it's going to be can Knox when Knox like what John said when Knox is staring off into space for the first time and gets beat on a backdoor cut. How's Tibbs going to handle that? And Mitch's personality has always reminded me of like Brooke and Robin Lopez. That's what he always seems like to me. Like those guys are always fucking around off That's the court. It's not a bad comp. Yeah. It's and they bad. take the game really seriously on the court though. For sure. Like really You want seriously. you want those guys a thousand yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Big time. I loved Robin Lopez who's on the Knicks. Can't stand him now when he plays I, against us, but I I had heard on June 30th that they he was going to be the guy that they were going to sign as opposed to um Taj, and then they ended up signing Taj. But I think he, he was—I don't know why it didn't end up, um, why it didn't end up being um, Robin Lopez. But um, yeah, I like Robin Lopez too. Yeah, yeah. Wish. I we needed a legit. We needed a center. Taj is not really a, a true center. We only had one true center on the team. Yeah, Taj can play. Taj can play center the way the NBA is played now. I think he can guard centers the way the league is. But yeah, Lopez. Lopez was shooting threes this year, so he would have given you that that Taj doesn't really give you. But, no, I'm, I'm fine with either one of those guys. It worked. Look, sound like Robin Lopez would have given you wins that Taj didn't give you. <laughs> so, not a big deal. But, yeah. all right, with that said, I think this is a good time to wrap things up. I really appreciate you guys coming on here with me at the last minute to talk about this. Uh, let's uh, tell everyone where they – where they can find you guys, Jeff. Yeah, man, absolutely. Chip, you know, always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll be doing a couple pods in the upcoming week. Um, You can find me at elite sports and why writing features and anything Knicks related for them. Um, At Jeff Boyardee on Twitter, talking about a whole bunch of nonsense, usually Knicks related as well. And that's pretty much it. All right, Alex, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tradicaster101. You can find myself at Hoops Habit. Just dropped something on the Tibbs News, so if you want to go check it out there, that's where you can find me. I saw that. It was really good. Everybody go check that out. And, John, you? Uh, you can find me cleaning up after my daughter's toys. Um, <laughs> she doesn't put away. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, what am I? I'm on Twitter, uh, JC Macri, NBA, uh, free newsletter, Nick's Film School newsletter, Nick's Film School podcast, uh, si.com. Oh, and I have a new podcast, the, the Hoop Spy podcast. Yes. That is actually, I, I'm, I, wanna, I actually do want to plug this. So this is me and Adam Taylor, who's a Celtics guy for SB Nation. He's awesome. He, he's a, lives over in, in uh, Great Britain and he's uh, a, a ton of fun to talk to and we just we get to shoot the shit about the NBA uh, not just the Knicks every week and it's it's a fun pod and um, uh, we should have I think we have a pretty good guest coming up uh, next week so looking forward to that and you interviewed George Carl recently too so I did interview George Carl who did yeah. not have kind that things to say sweet. today about the, yeah it was, no that was cool but he was not he, not that he wasn't high on the tips higher today, but I saw him tweet out that like nothing's gonna matter until um, Dolan sells the team, which I'm not surprised because we touched on it during the co- the conversation we had with him, and he was like silent when I 
mention the Knicks. I like gave him a really? chance to say something, and he just and I'm like, <laughs> okay, moving along now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right, guys. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Have a good night.